Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Yogurt has been a part of our diet for centuries and can often be one of the first foods we are introduced to. Adding to the Little Yo range, Yo Valley have launched their own yogurt pouches, a good source of protein and calcium. These children-friendly yogurts are perfect for hungry little tummies and could it be better for when you're out and about. So now there's no need to be searching for those healthy snacks when on an adventure, so just make sure that you bring those Little Yo pouches with you. Available in two delicious flavors, which come in recyclable pouches, these Little Yo yogurts are perfect for snacking and on the go. To find out more, head to yovalley.co.uk and find it in your local supermarkets. Hello and thank you so much for tuning in to this week's Food for Thought, a podcast that's on a mission to equip you with all the evidence-based advice that you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, registered nutritionist, best-selling author of Renourish, A Simple Way to Eat Well, and founder of Retrition, London's leading private nutrition clinic. In each episode, I'll be joined by special guests, all of whom can be considered authoritative voices in health, so that together we can learn fact from fiction and empower the healthiest and happiest versions of ourselves with trusted expert advice. Morning routines can be powerful and set our pattern for the rest of the day. With a worried filled morning likely to flood into an anxious afternoon, starting the morning with intention may create a sense of calm and confidence that makes the rest of the day seem more manageable. This week's Food for Thought sees the happy pair, that's Dave and Steve Flynn, explore the ultimate morning routine and its impact on us personally and professionally. Hello, Dave and Steve. Hello, Hi, oh my goodness. I have been so excited to get you boys on the podcast. Let's start with something that I think a lot of people say, the whole phrase of win the morning, win the day. I mean, what do you guys think about that, considering we're talking about morning routines? Uh, yeah, I think we've got a really strong morning routine and always have done. And I think it's kind of like the foundation of your day in a sense that it can set your energy or your spirit on a certain trajectory. And it's kind of hard to take it off in a sense then. Like 
yeah, I just think it's such a, a, a core aspect of your day. Um, I think, as you said there, your day can be won and lost in the morning. Obviously, it can turn around at any stage, but I think the morning you're just giving yourself the be- best chance for the day to unfold in a very favorable way. It also yeah. gives you the opportunity to set up momentum or inertia, I think. Uh, and often that kind of inertia can sustain you through kind of, you know, maybe an issue that, that happens in life that isn't quite what you want. And suddenly, like generally the way we'll start the day is we we generally, and we're not, we don't live together anymore, um, but uh, typically get up really early, get up around five, half five. Uh, recently I've been getting up around half four. Uh, I go to bed about half nine and then um, get up around five. I'll start training normally around six, do probably an hour of training. Uh, then we go down, we swim in the sea at sunrise. Sunrise now is about ten past seven. So we swim all year, ra- we swim all year round at sunrise and it's something that we love because there's something so ceremonious about seeing the sunrise, kind of connecting with nature, having to f- overcome your fears and get into the cold water. And we kind of tend to do it in a group of us, uh, kind of socially distanced at the moment. But it's it's something that really... I guess is so important to our day and to starting our day. Yeah, I think that's amazing. I remember when I came to visit Action, I don't know if you can hear now in the background, it's hailing here and chucking it down with rain. And you guys do that in all weather, don't you? You literally go and you'll get in the sea pretty much. Yeah, and I think it's a bit like that, like it's the mental discipline, like there's much the physical reality of going, get you know, surrendering to the cold Irish Sea. But there's the mental resilience that and the fortitude it, it kind of fosters in terms of there's like there's obviously 50 percent of the days living in cold Ireland that it's cold and rainy and wet or snowy <laughs> or a northerly wind that it's skin yet. And you're gone down there just when it's just at dawn, like so it's just turning into daylight. You're shedding your clothes and you're just going into Mother Nature and embracing whatever life throws at you. And it can be like I remember there was one day last week we went down and it was like it was absolutely lashing rain. And we walked down like a pair of lunatics and we got to the beach and there was probably four or five other people there. And we stood there and you literally couldn't get dressed because it was just as soon as you took it, you were just soaked everywhere. And we got into the sea and it was the most the wildest, most it was like just life, just it just was overflowing with life and then out of nowhere the sunrise just emerged like something of a Walt Disney movie Mm. and the sun came out and the birds were going by and it was one of the most magical moments like it was like one of those things that if you could bottle it and sell it you'd just you'd make the world a much better place. I mean you're both quite notorious for you know being very very energetic as well and for anybody that's thinking wow like I can't imagine anything worse than getting up in the morning in the dark doing that. What would you say to them? What would you say, or if they don't live near the sea, what can they do instead in the morning? Because I know that you guys live pretty close to the coast. Yeah, we're very fortunate where we live even now. I'm looking out over the harbour and it's a stunning view, I guess. And not everyone listening, obviously, um, has such a view, but everyone, I guess, lives somewhere on this wonderful planet that we call home. Um, but one of the things that is so key to us sustain this, can I, can I tell you a little bit of a story just about how, how we started doing it? Yes, please. We'd okay, great, that. great. Um, <laughs> the way we started swimming in the sea at sunrise, we, we never had the intention. We simply went down, we used to take photos of the, of the sunrise. Um, and me and Dave, we could, and we could talk about work when we're doing it. Nice bit of time to kind of reflect, peaceful, watch the sunrise, take a photo, put it up on social media. People seemed to engage with it because it was like hope, new day, dawn innocence purity creativity all these things it kind of represented and i was down about i'd say it's almost six years ago i was down one september and it was a manky morning like real gray and northerly wind and freezing 
but there was a beautiful sunrise and I was just taking my picture and I took my picture and there was this lunatic in swimming and I said to Dave geez look at your man he's mad and he <laughs> and he got out and uh, me and Dave went to all boys schools and had a lot played a lot of rugby and kind of are pretty susceptible to that kind of macho um challenging type uh, thing and he got out and stood there in a big kind of big wide stance and kind of almost like banged on his chest you're getting in lads and us being um quite um I don't know what the word is. Stupid is the best word. Susceptible. Susceptible to it. Went, yes, of course we are. You know, we're that one step back down of a challenge. And we got into the sea and, and kind of getting in the sea, kind of going, oh, what am I doing? I'm so stupid. Uh, but, it, but it was wonderful. Afterwards, I felt great. And we got chatting to, uh, he subsequently told me his name was Neil. And we got chatting. We had a nice little chat. And then as he was leaving, he said, see you tomorrow, lads. It was like, yeah, defo. <laughs> uh, so then we met him the next day. And then the next day, Caroline joined us. And the next day, Hugo joined us. And we didn't know how long we were going to do this. Like, you know, we weren't one of those people that swim in the sea in winter. We're not one of those crazy people. But the bit that made it sustainable was the friendship, the joy, the laughter, mm. the kind of collective challenge and the sense of embracing nature together and almost like baptizing your fears in this cold water and coming out feeling reborn, like kind of vibrant, alive, suddenly. And, and to anyone listening, the, the, the point I was trying to make there, probably going a bit of a long way around it, is that I think the sense of collectivity and the sense of community, because often in the morning, like especially this time of year when the alarm goes off at 5 a.m., I'm kind of like, I don't want to get up, but I've organized to meet Dave, so I better show up. So there's that sense of social accountability. And then when I show up, we kind of do it together. So there's a bit of fun, there's a bit of joy, there's a bit of togetherness in the same way with swimming the sea. So I think first thing I, I, I would recommend is to try to, if you look at the blue zones, which are the kind of five areas in the planet where there's the most amount of, of um, centenarians, that's people that have lived over the age 100, the number one factor that kind of predicates their longevity is the sense of community, that, that the healthy choice is the easy choice. So the more you can create an environment that makes it, easier for you to make the healthier choice whether it be exercise whether it be eating so that, that would be my first point and, and that uh, was and i think Stephen, just to add to that is that uh i think the social accountability piece is a piece that a lot of people kind of miss out in terms of morning routines because willpower will only get you so far and motivation will only get you so far but social accountability will get you so much further like i think together like you can go you can go fast alone but together you can go so much further like yeah, there is all these expressions and there is great truth in them. And when I think of us with our morning routines, like they wouldn't have lasted as long as, you know, the last 10 or 15 years, unless there was a collective of, of us doing it. And like our morning routines, as Stephen mentioned already, like we'll typically train, whether it be yoga or, or handstands or gymnastics or running or Pilates or whatever the hell it might be. And then there's meditation and then the swim in the sea. And there's a collective of us that does it and like different parts. Not everyone does all of it. But our morning kind of tends to go on for about an hour and a half. And that's our routine. And it kind of sets us up for the day that we've almost had a party. We've had a social event. Mm. We've done something physical. Mm. We've had a laugh. And we probably had a coffee as well in there or some kind of a drink or something. And it's we've already had, you know, it's almost been like a five-year-old's birthday party before the day starts, you know. That's such a good way of looking at it, actually. The fact you get so much social interaction first thing. And that's what I think a lot of people don't get because they're waking up... Um, either in the same routine with their partner and then off they go straight away. Well, I guess before um, the pandemic, it would be off you go to work, off you go on your commute. So now I would say the reason we're doing this podcast is it's the perfect time to get people into that sort of something new that can really lift them up for the day. Do you wake up guys with an alarm clock or, or is, is it natural with the sun? Because you mentioned an alarm going off there. I've So Steve here, I, I, I kind of use an alarm often just because I have young kids and often my mm. sleep is um, broken and 
Um, but I, I do go to bed normally around 9, 9.30 p.m. So I go to bed pretty early. I'm kind of like a young kid myself, 40-year-old <laughs> uh, young kid. Uh, so I tend to set forever alarm. Forever young, forever yeah, Well, I'm doing my best until <laughs> we die, you know that way. Uh, but um, I, I often I'll wake uh, normally kind of 10 minutes before my alarm and I'm kind of just lying in bed. And I know Dave, something Dave's been working on is got, not yeah. having an alarm. Yeah, I got in the habit this year of just not using an alarm at all. Wow. So I don't use one, haven't used one at all this year, except for once or twice where I n- knew I had to be somewhere for 4.30 or quarter to five and I didn't. You know, it probably the chances were I probably would have been awake for them, but I just set it just as a security. But other than that, the whole year I haven't used one just because. Uh, so, if we're comparing both of you, so one of you uses one, one of you doesn't. Do you find it's more stressful having that alarm because you do you use a phone if you do or? Um, a good few years ago, when I was using alarm, we got those light ones for our bedrooms. You know, the ones that the light comes on gently. You set it for five fifteen, and then at four forty five, it starts to slowly come on, and you wake up kind of thinking, "Who left the light on?" And then, and then you're awake rather than any noise, and it doesn't wake your partner beside you in the bed, which is quite handy as well, because you know that can often be a, a bone of contention. Um, so, I, so I find that a much better one. And then you don't bring your phone to bed and you aren't, aren't looking at what's going on tomorrow or getting back to anything. So that's my habit anyway. Yeah, I was going to say, because I think for a lot of people, the minute they look at their phone when they wake up, they're probably inundated with notifications. I know that the inbox is probably exploding and it's so tempting, isn't it, to just have a look and look over. But doing what you've done, perhaps people that don't live near the coast could go for a walk with, with a friend or meet someone before work, if this is obviously possible, or take yeah. the kids in the garden if, if they're lucky enough to have a garden. Or have I mean, a cold shower, even have a cold, like this, this, like, I think the big points, like this, you can have all these habits of doing yoga, doing mm-hmm. meditation, all those kind of things. But I think the, the piece that a lot of people are missing is the social accountability and the together piece. Cause I really do. I think that's so inherent in humans. Like I think social, like one of our most basic physiological need is that sense of belonging and connection yeah. and community. And I think if we can get an element of that fed first thing in the morning, it can nurture a certain part of us as well as the, and if you can part, like tag it along with a physical element, I think it just compounds. It definitely lifts the mood. And you've said that you go to bed quite early the night before. And I know that um, broken sleep is tough as as well. I know that as a new mum myself <laughs> at the moment, I'm up all hours sometimes of the night. But do you have anything particular that you'd recommend to enhance sleep quality so people can wake up feeling a bit more motivated to integrate a new routine, like you said, like getting a bit more social? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, yeah we've got like, Steve, do you want to lead off? There's a few. Okay, cool. Yeah, like, Generally, you know, we all have the the fancy word. You've heard that fancy word, circadian rhythm, which is just your natural biological cycles within the circadian clock, the 24-hour clock. And typically, they say that the number one most important factor for consistently sleeping well is regularity, going to bed at the same time and getting up at the same time. And even if the weekend you do stay up late and Friday and Saturday night, try to get up at the same time and just have a nap. It just, it makes it a lot more sustainable because even I know we kind of have this inbuilt relationship with the 24-hour clock in a sense of time so number one regularity number two try to reduce your exposure to artificial lights like obviously just dim the lights if you have dimmers if you don't have dimmers or kind of fancy lights like that just light a candle because artificial lights have been proven to reduce the melatonin levels in our body which often is associated with helping us feel tired sleepy and a need for rest and Uh, i think i think i think a really important thing which is right up there is having a sleep routine you know Mm. because you'll know as a young mom that you have a routine and it's very important to have a routine to get your kids to bed 
But as adults, we tend not to have them. We're, we're sitting in bed, flicking through our phone, and then we brush our teeth and go to the toilet, and that's our bedtime routine, and it took us five minutes. Whereas I know with my kids, particularly when they were younger, like my bedtime routine with the kids was probably an hour, an hour and a half, where I'd just slowly wind them down and we'd just calm down. So I think as adults, if you can spend a full hour before you go to bed and not look at screens, actually maybe read a book, have a bath, have a shower, do whatever you do, have a conversation, drink a cup of tea, whatever. Just do something to try to wind, actually wind yourself down because sitting there watching action movies in bed and then turning the light out is not the best. You know, it's crazy, isn't it? I, th- I feel like technology, we, we're so reliant on it and even more so now that like we've experienced something like COVID. I think we, we can't really live without it. But at the same time, it's not enhancing our lives in so many areas like the sleep one that you guys have just mentioned. So let's let's take a little case study. If you were to sleep very poorly, would you still recommend getting up and just going? Do you think that would help Definitely. lift someone's mood? Yeah, yeah, I would. But I just have a nap. But whenever I felt tired, I'd have a nap. You know, if it could yeah. be possible, like I just even t- like I know myself, I can sleep standing up. I can sleep against the wall. I can sleep anywhere. So I could. You're very lucky. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I've one of those bodies that you just goes and then it falls over and goes to sleep. Like, so like if, if I, if I have a crap night's sleep because of kids coming in or someone was up getting sick or whatever, I know I'll, I'll, I'll I'll just naturally wake up at 5 a.m. And I might have a nap at 8 a.m. or 10 a.m. And I might have another one at two for 10 minutes here. Or like I might be reading a book or looking at my computer and then suddenly I'm asleep. You know, like my body works like that, you know. Yeah, no, it's really, it's really good to hear because I'm sure everybody out there is going to be thinking exactly the same kind of thing, like, oh, how do you do it? But let's talk about something else that I know really, really helps. And I think it's something that is so inspirational. I know when I first met you guys, you were doing handstands in the middle of Paddington Station. So (laughs) let's talk about movement. What is your philosophy on movement throughout the day? Yeah. I think we're, we're not, I think, uh, we're all mammals ever listen to this. And we tend to have been, become through modern day civilization and technology and this, we tend to become quite um, disconnected from our sense of the sense of nature, the sense of our bodies. or Sense of animal. Yeah, and that sense of primalness mm. that we have to move and movement gives us oxygen and oxygen is our primary fuel source. And movement also increases like our lymph being... Um, pumped around our body and lymph are kind of like the brains of our immune system they're so important so I, I think movement is something that I don't know did you ever watch that documentary on Netflix at the moment very popular called My Octopus Teacher no but now I will TV oh, at the moment for me is taking a backseat <laughs> oh it's phenomenal if you can it's really really beautiful <laughs> okay. but I, I loved um, when the presenter the guy that made the documentary he spoke about an octopus 80% of its brains are in its in its body and it, it, it kind of needs to move to get the blood flowing to get itself thinking and I tend to be a bit like that not that I'm saying I'm not I'm an octopus but I find movement helps me think better like often if I'm sitting at a computer and I'm kind of really focused on something I'll often kind of give myself an hour to focus hard and what I'm trying to achieve for that hour and then once the hour is up I got to go walk I got to do something got to do some handstands for 10 minutes but just something to kind of get the blood pumping move my body and then I come back a little bit more productive and a little bit more awake and even even when you think about it that uh like a great example is that like anyone with young kids there was there was a study done to see they wanted to link movement to happiness like how it correlates to our mm. well-being and our sense of self so they looked at young kids and they said okay young kids are not very good like as and this was typically, I think, was between four and eight year olds. They moved like nonstop throughout the day and they found an average kid smiled somewhere between three and four hundred times a day. 
Whereas adults who are world-class at sitting still, you know, we've had 18 years of practice in school and we, in work, a lot of us are sick for jobs and they found an average adult, have a guess how many times an average adult smiles? Oh, it's going to be depressing, isn't it? Um, <laughs> okay, I would hope, I'd hope we'd smile maybe at least 20 times a day, which doesn't sound a lot at all. Yeah, the average is 30 and then a particularly jubilant adult might smile 50 times. That's just awful, isn't it? Yeah. And the link with that, that, which they were making with the research, was just showing that movement, how inherent it is to our well-being. And you think about it, even even like, as Stephen said, we're mammals and we forget that we're mammals because we're so civilised and domesticated in a sense. But if you've got a dog, you'll know yourself that, like, if a dog is kept in the house for a day, it'll get a bit antsy and wired. But after after the second day or the third day, it starts to look depressed if you don't walk it. And we're the same as humans, like movement just lights us up. And even if I can talk to like the other day, Steve was feeling stressed out of his head. I, I met him at 9 a.m. and he was he just wasn't in a good place. It was like, right, Steve, come on, we got to go for a run. Because I know that movement just moves stress and tension out of our bodies. And we went for a run and came back and he was grand. He forgot what he was worried about. You know, the way it just sometimes it builds up in your body, like movement is, is just such an inherent thing for all of us. And for some of us more so than others, we're quite physical creatures, but I think everyone inherently movement just makes us. Our, our... And movement doesn't have to be triathlons or iron men or handstands yeah. or any of this stuff. It's walking. It's anything like it could be mm. doing it, you know, doing a few stretches, like literally going for a walk out in nature has a wonderful ability to kind of help us relax. And even, even Steve was saying there that uh, he mentioned the blue zones. Like when you look to the blue zones, this is the longest living people on the planet. They don't do Ironmans, they don't do triathlons, they don't go to the gym, they don't need abs, they don't need a big booty. They just move consistently throughout the day. That's their recipe, that their environment forces them to move every 20 minutes so that they're not sitting for very long times. And by that, they mean they cycle. They don't have cars, they have to cycle or walk everywhere. Amazing. They don't have dishwashers, they have to wash their own dishes. They yeah. grow a lot of their own veg. They're damn moving as they get older. And they typically, as they as they get older, they live in multi-generational homes. So there's like grandparents, there's parents and kids all in the one home. So as the, the grandparents get much older, they still have to interact with the young kids. So just movement is inherent and it's baked into their lifestyle. So for anyone who's listening, how you could kind of apply that is if you do have a job where you work at a desk, drink loads of water. Because if you are not wearing a nappy, you're going to have to get up and go to the toilet regularly, which is great. Hey! Yeah, brilliant. Uh, Try to do meetings walking, like put your headphones on and do your Zoom calls or whatever you've got to do. You can surely walk for some of them. And that's really a basic habit to do. Make sure and make, as we were talking about social accountability, arrange to meet friends for walking dates, for chats, for all these type of things. But really try to consciously bake it into your day because society nowadays is set up for us to be sedentary. You know, if you look at it, I think it's more than 45% of people in the UK are actually sedentary, that they get on average between five to 6,000 steps a day, but they don't meet the minimum requirement of 10,000 steps a day, which is recommended. Yeah, I, I think you're right. We, it brings it back to this the fact that we've got this incredible amazing modern lifestyle but is it so amazing because it is taking away this may sound a bit drastic and obviously not for everybody but it's taking away elements of our health the fact that we're not out there moving as much like you said we're not washing the dishes and it is I guess everything's now about convenience isn't it and saving time but actually we'd probably be a much happier nation if we did go back to basics and like you said get our daily dose of nature get outside move as much as we can because we are a bit disconnected, I would say. So so what about goal setting? Do you guys goal set in the morning? Is that something that is in your routine? Um, no. I did, not really. No, I no. tend to 
we tend to be me and Dave I guess we're fortunate because we were born twins so we kind of naturally have this sense <laughs> of accountability and I think one of the great joys of being a twin and the challenges is that you're inherently like ridiculously competitive because from a young age we've been competing for our mother's love and attention so um it's something that kind of spurs us on and supports and encourages us which is great so I think to anyone so, so listening so, who isn't a twin, uh, I'd recommend trying to get someone that can help support you in terms of kind of encouraging along. Because uh, to bring this back to daily goal setting, we tend to just spur each other on, which is quite fortunate. And I cut you off. Sorry, Dave. I was just going to say that one habit which I have is, uh, and I've only recently got into the last few months with a friend, is that instead of writing goals, it's called a daily design. And this is what we do, Will. I'll write down my day, like what, like I'll write down my day as, as if it's finished. But it won't be I did this or I did that. It's more how I was during my day. So previously, when I first started doing this, it was like, oh, I today, you know, I might write, oh, I got all my work done and I had a great day with the kids and I had a great dinner with Saab or whatever it might be. But now I'm much more right about how I was during the day, that I was relaxed and calm and easy. I had a really pleasant day. I was kind to myself. I was, you know, it's much more about how I live my day than what I'm doing. Because ultimately, I think that's more valuable than the actual intrinsic level of productivity because my own relationship myself, I've recently found is much more important than my level of, you know, outwardly positive productivity, if you know what I mean. But it's a fun little thing to do. Like I'll write it retrospectively as if I finished my day and write it down. In the morning, you write it in the morning. Yeah, I write it in the morning and I send it to a friend, I send it to Sam and, and, I, and I'll usually write the day before and he'll do the same. He'll write his day um and we write 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 yourself for the day before and it, it tends to be a great habit and a great kind of social accountability thing i'll just do it in whatsapp and text to him and he'll do the same and send it to me that's so lovely what a nice friendship because that's another example of the fact that sometimes i think we put too much pressure on ourselves i'm sure everyone was thinking this podcast was going to be oh the perfect morning routine is get up do xyz write 10 different things that you're going to achieve today but sometimes setting yourself up for that kind of accountability isn't as productive as you guys have said it, I mean luckily you have each other don't you which is which is very yeah, good and you run an incredible business together and you make delicious food and you write incredible books so you're pretty <laughs> you've got a lot of things to um hold each other accountable to but I think sometimes we have to be realistic don't we because I don't know I feel like sometimes people set themselves up for failure by mentally doing so yeah, yeah. I think I think one of the challenges, just to bring back to that topic you mentioned about us being quite disconnected and often that we kind of, it might be beneficial to our health to somewhat go back to more basic physiological needs of spending more time in nature and slowing down. And I think that's part of the challenge of modern day society is that success is often the big house, the big car. It's often seen as materialistic things. But as I get older now, I'm 40, um, I, I find I'm much more interested in the kind of intrinsic things of how I feel in myself, that, I, that there's a sense of ease, a sense of joy, a sense of appreciation, a sense of being able to appreciate the present moment. And that's how I measure success. So I think that's part of the challenge of us as a society is that we need to possibly question the paradigm of what is success. Yeah, I agree. Oh, I know. And that's a whole podcast. What yeah, yeah, the South. Yeah, I've gone off on a whole other one. But uh, anyway... 
Okay, talk to me about food a little bit. I think we have to discuss food as part of your morning routine because you guys yes. love your food. Breakfast, is it a yay, a nay? What do you guys do? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Sure. We've, we've recently started a sourdough bakery. So me and, mm. over the last couple of weeks, me and Dave have been in baking um, eight out of the 14 days at 5 a.m. in baking bread. Uh, so often you crack a loaf, you pull a loaf out of the oven, it just looks too amazing, like caramelized crust, and you just rip it open, ah, oh! and it's magnificent. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. So breakfast, in terms of us ourselves, we tend to, and what we often recommend is to try to eat as much as you can whole plant foods. So and no one listening, I wouldn't recommend anyone necessarily to be vegan or vegetarian or anything. But what we do espouse is to encourage people to eat more whole foods because mm-hmm. I could be eating a vegan or a vegetarian diet and eat nothing but Mars bars and French exactly. fries and cans of Coke. But I guess nine out of 10 people, not I guess, but nine out of 10 people in Ireland and the UK don't get their RDA of fibres in their recommended mm-hmm. daily intake of fibre. And fibre is so vitally important. And it's something that, I guess society at large is so deficient of even I, I remember recently we were trying to get a um, a healthy food kind of course going and um, na- nationally in Ireland and we were starting a pilot project in my daughter's school and I went down and I was speaking to the principal and she's probably in her 80s an amazing lady sister Kathleen and I started talking I said the word fiber and she suddenly lit up and got really turned on I was like oh my God, I'm sitting here with a nun and she just got turned on when I used the word fiber and I was like, what the hell's going on here? And I asked her more and she said, it's amazing. I've been principal here for many, many years and in the last five years, every week, two children, she said, two to four children go home due to constipation and this previously was never an issue and she said, directly, I've seen the impact of the change of diet in modern day society and that how the lack of fiber is causing constipation and other issues. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. 
Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. That is quite shocking. And it does go to show, I guess that's an area that either myself as, you know, working in public health nutrition, we forget about the fact that it could cause, of course, time off work or time home from school for children. It makes a big difference. So you have your fresh bread. You're all about getting more fiber and nutrients in, which is so important. But how do you eat it then? Do you, are you... Do you follow the so, rules so, of mindful eating? Uh, no, no. Like I think, I think we live life. I think we like. Yeah. There's so many things about trying to live the perfect life, and it's just have a laugh. Don't things, mm-hmm. don't things, don't take things too serious. Eat lots of vegetables and spend time with your friends and time outdoors. Like that's probably our recipe in general. And I think if you get too, too kind of narrow or too microscopic in one area, those so you can lose the balance of the full thing. Because, you know, like I, I can see in myself at times in my life, I've gone too neurotic into food and I got into raw f- vegan food and I was extremely neurotic of just eating blah, blah, blah. But I was very isolated and I wasn't part of, I was excluded from a lot of things and, and it was healthy physiologically, but it wasn't healthy for the greater sense of me. So I think there's there's a, there's a balance between everything, you know, and certainly like we've eaten a, a plant-based diet for 20 years now and mm. definitely are huge proponents for eating you know, as we said, whole plant foods and by that and, I mean fruit, and, veg, beans, legumes, nuts and seeds. And even we've seen firsthand, we started doing uh, healthy eating courses upstairs in our cafe back about 10 years ago. And they mostly came out of, at a result of, um, I remember Dave met Mary Cahill and she'd done Weight Watchers and she was able to say over the last eight weeks, I lost a stone. And we were like, wow, she was able to measure the improvement in her health. So we thought, I wonder, can we come up with a course where people can actually measure and prove the improvement in their health? So Dave went down to the local. He'd read a book by Dr. Dean Ornish, who'd kind of proved in clinical trials he could reverse the indicators of cardiovascular disease, the number one killer in Western civilization. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we went down to the local doctor, Brendan Cuddy, knocked on his door. How are you, Brent? We want to reverse heart disease. Do you have a nurse? Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, sure, try Angela. She's next door. And we went into Angela and Angela, how are you? We want to reverse heart disease. Are you in? And she kind of said, go away, lads. What are you talking about? And we said, we pay you 50 quid. And she said, yeah, I'm in. Right. <laughs> so uh, we went back to the shop and we put up posters saying, um, you know, healthy eating course, you know, healthy, skinny, sexy, free. And we got 20 people signed up. And they arrived on the Thursday night. It was going to be a four-week course. And Angela, they went into Angela, who's a nurse, and she measured everyone's cholesterol, weight, and blood pressure. So we'd start in measurements. And they came upstairs to me and Dave, and we, as chefs, taught them how to eat a whole food plant-based diet. So most of these people were just normal people, probably a bit curious what the hell we were doing, weren't even that interested in it. Uh, but in essence, it was teaching them how to eat fruit and veg. And we didn't know if this was going to work. We were totally taking a punt on it. We put... Um, videos with doctors on just to kind of add a bit more validity as to what we were trying to do and I remember on the last night feeling so nervous feeling like if this doesn't work this is going to undermine everything we believe and we're going to have to like I don't know get like get a job or something um, but thankfully there was an average drop of cholesterol at 20% uh, everyone lost weight blood pressure regulated uh, it was amazing results and subsequently 
we got a lot of media attention and we ended up, it got too busy, so we built online courses. And as a result, we've had kind of 50,000 people through our online courses. And we've seen mm. it in thousands and thousands and thousands of cases, just the impact of what people eat and how it can affect their health in so many different ways. That's incredible. And I think it's just so, so nice that you actually brought what you believed into the community. So again, you're doing it collectively. You're sharing information. You're talking about it. But you definitely mentioned the fact that you could get a bit too neurotic about stuff. And I think that's the case. It's very all or nothing. And health shouldn't be like that, should it? It should be something that makes you happy. Because I think if anything you're doing makes you unhappy and isolates you from from certain areas of life, then it's definitely not the way forward, is it? Completely agree. And even if you think about it, like most people listening probably know someone that's lived to the age of 90 or even 95 they didn't eat a vegetable in their life. They mm. smoked cigarettes. They drank mm. a bottle of whiskey every day. They gambled, but they probably were surrounded by people they loved. They probably had great joy and laughter. They probably had great purpose in life and probably great faith. And they lived a long, happy, prosperous life. So there's so many roads to health. And I think the connection bit is the piece that we're missing nowadays, like the connection and the joy and because it can, you know, sometimes health can be synonymous with yoga and meditation and eating kale. And that doesn't sound like that much fun to, to a lot many right. people, you know. You're right. People are aware of the sleep. We're aware that diet makes a difference. But it definitely is connection. So that means that the key to success... Oh, before we do move on from diet, though, I want to ask you guys about caffeine. Like, do you use caffeine as a kind of go-to? Because so many people in society obviously can't function without their cup of coffee in the morning. I, I think it's about doing your best. I think there's no right or wrong and like thou should not do it or do it like i think if you're kind of having 10 cups a day and you can function without it well maybe possibly it's too much but i think you know there's that that ground where you can still like what coffee often offers to many people is that that little small daily luxury that moment that symbolic kind of gesture of sitting down and savoring it this is for me and it's a cheap luxury like it's three four euro or whatever it is it's something that offers a wonderful space for that like we in terms of my own personal journey with coffee we have four cafes and we've had them for about 16 years now when we first started them for about the first five years I didn't want to sell coffee. Coffee was a drug. It's a stimulant. We shouldn't have it. That's bad. We want to get people eating healthy. And about five years into it, a friend, Paul Grimes, started working with us. Uh, and Paul was a total coffee, um, massive enthusiast and had been a barista for years. And he was talking about, we were chefs. So we were intrigued. He was talking about like, an Ethiopian natural that tastes of blueberries or a Rwandan processed coffee that just tastes of like almonds and pralines and things like this and I was fascinated so we kind of he, he kind of started educating me about coffee and just the depth of flavor profile and as a result we kind of um, started a coffee roastery and I've really got interested in just the different varietals like there's over 1200 flavor profiles in coffee mm. versus only 400 in red wine and that coffee the means is such a craft and it's something that I find very beautiful but to bring it back to your question I think if coffee makes you feel better, helps you eat a little bit healthier, gives you a little bit more joy in your life, I think fabulous. Get it into you. But just be conscious if you're having 10 cups a day and you're shaking and twitching, you can't sit still, possibly you have a bit of an issue with it. That's just it. It's definitely not all or nothing. And I love that fact about the variety of coffee compared to red wine, for instance. Who'd yeah. have thought? Oh, it's fascinating. Like most people think a cup of coffee is a cup of coffee. But no. like if you try like, say, a Kenyan natural coffee that literally like it's bizarre you're tasting coffee that can taste of strawberry and you're like that's not coffee 
and it's it's remarkable and exquisite and really beautiful and something that I guess we love to pursue and um yeah, enjoy the art and the craft. Do you know what I would love to pursue is chocolate? I swear oh, that, yes. that wouldn't that be the dream? Why don't you guys open up instead of a bakery? Stephen Will. Stephen Stephen Will. I've, I've been making I've been making bean to bar chocolate for about two to three years now. And it's oh. something that, like coffee, I've fallen down the romance yeah. like sourdough. Just that sense of craft and connection with origin yeah. and different flavor profiles within the natural bean itself. And oh, mm. one day, Rena, and I promise when you come visit, <laughs> let's play chocolate in our chocolate shop. Yes, please. I'm going to hold you guys. I'm going to hold yeah. you to it. And talking promise. about chocolate, <laughs> chocolate is definitely something that lifts all of our moods. I mean, look at the conversation, how we've just turned on the fact that we're talking about chocolate. And- oh. Oh, yes. <laughs> we'll get the enthusiasm in there. Are there certain foods you guys love to go for for a kind of pick-me-up or a mood boost? Is there anything that really makes you think, right, I'm feeling a bit sluggish. What what am I going to reach for? Do you have any of that? Normally, the first thing I'd always try to do is to try to reach for some form of movement. And I know mm. this is, I'm giving the textbook answer here. Giving the idea. I wouldn't expect idea. any less. Yeah, yeah, to try to do some form of movement. Because often when you do a tiny little bit of movement, instead of going for that chocolate bar, suddenly you go for a glass of water. And then after you've had the glass of water, suddenly the chocolate bar or the confectionery or the kind of refined processed food suddenly is less desirable. And I think the first thing that I, ideally speaking here, is to try to go for movement. And if not, and I feel totally not, a little bit of chocolate's great. You know, yeah, a little bit little like... A little bit of cake. Yeah, I think cake has its place. Uh, you know, even can I tell a, little, a tiny little story? I uh, love a story. If it's okay. So a friend uh, I call Harold, his real name. Harold moved over here uh, recently. He'd been living in Dublin. And Harold has been eating kind of a high nutrient-dense foods, very 80% raw diet, really into his eating nutrient-dense foods and being kind of somewhat neurotic in his approach to food. And I was having a debate with Harold just saying, I think cake has a really healthy place in a, in a, in a kind of healthy diet. He was like, oh, I don't know. And I was telling him about just that sense of at sunrise often with the people who swim in the sea all year round, our dear friends, we often celebrate each other's birthday because it's a real opportunity to celebrate life. Mm. And say the other day we were down and it was Linda's birthday. Linda, Linda just turned 71 and a number of us made cakes. There was about six or seven cakes. The sun rose. It felt like we were at like a seven-year-old's birthday party. It was just this sense of jubilant, sense of joy, sense of yes, please. You know, this type of just joyous, jubilant atmosphere. And in that case, cake was just, it gave that opportunity to mark an occasion. It gives that sense of food that is exceptional from the norm that just gives you that sense of wow, joy, jubilance, serotonin released. Yay! Uh, so in, in that case, I think cake is wonderfully healthy and cake really has its has a, has a healthy place to celebrate life it's but all that about being, celebrating oh no go on and i was just going to say i was going to say that that being that it's probably like you know most of your diet being whole plant foods like that's yes. the name of the game and then yes. cake being the minority rather than the majority because yes. if you look if you in get the whole ireland plants, you get the fiber don't you yeah yeah, yeah if you look at the, the uk and ireland right now i guess we know this through doing our happy good course with dr alan desmond and uh, dietitian rosie that 55% of all calories consumed in the UK and Ireland at the moment are ultra-processed foods. Yeah. They're not even processed. They're and super then a, refined. And about 40% are animal-based foods and less than 10% are whole plant foods. It's Whereas backwards. Like, it is. And when you look at the longest living people from the Blue Zones, again, 95% of their diet plus is whole plant foods. 
Well, yeah, they wouldn't have access to the numerous amounts of convenience food that we have um, in Western society. And that, once again, becomes... I don't want anybody listening to think we're saying you can never have these things. Of course you can. It's just about really trying to make food whole foods fun and celebrating them again and one thing that actually lockdown has done for us i'm recording this in 2020 has been the resurgence of cooking from scratch because i do feel that that lacked before and now suddenly everyone's at home i do think people are getting in the kitchen a bit more now i don't know if you have found the same thing over in ireland yeah there's definitely way more like we we have about 50 products that we sell in about a thousand stores around ireland um, kind of all health foods from pestos to granolas to ready-made dinners. Oh, and this your type of thing. pesto. Oh, yes. oh yeah, yeah. Pesto is great. I, lo- <laughs> I, I still adore it. Uh, but we've seen a decline in our kind of prepared meals that people mm. aren't buying them as much. And that's because thankfully, and I, I say that as in a greater then, societal sense. But then we have seen a big uptake and we've got a vegan cooking course. And we've mm. seen a lot more people taking that, like a huge amount more people wanting to learn to cook. So, you know, it's funny how... You see, yeah. you, you you see it drop in the other, but you see a huge uptake in terms of even traffic to our recipes online has shot up. You know. Yeah. No, it's true. It's true. There's all. Anyway, I could talk about this forever, but we must get questions in from our listeners because we've got lots of them for you guys. Um, cool. Let me pick one that I feel we haven't covered. Right. Let's start with this one because we briefly touched on this, and I don't know what your thoughts are. Yasmin has said, "I like the sound of meditating." But what's the first step? Now, I know you said earlier you don't need to be meditating. So I'd love your thoughts on this. Yeah, well, I, can I go first? Yeah. Or do you want to go? No, you go. You go first. Okay, so I think meditation for many, can people are attracted to it. And for many, it's binary. They're quite repulsed by it. So I think meditation ultimately is the practice of being present. And for many, for some people, that could be meditation. It could be yoga as in movement meditation. For others, it could be going for a walk. It could be sitting, you know, with a pet, just petting it. Because often when I'm with my cats, I have to slow down and kind of be a lot more present and not kind of caught up in the future or the past. So I think ultimately meditation is to reach a state with which you're fully present. You're not thinking of the future. You're not thinking of the past. You're literally lost in the moment. So I think any action that anyone brings them back to the present moment to me is meditation and for some that could be running for some that could be playing sport with friends for some it could be out having a cup of coffee for others it could be sitting quiet literally meditating so i think the term meditation can be for me is a state of mind as opposed to a specific practice yeah no that's fascinating do we do we have any other thoughts to add on that or? Uh, I, I was just i was just gonna say like we have meditated for years and i find it a great habit and when i'm sitting there like at the moment life is quite busy so i typically meditate for 10 minutes most days i don't beat myself up when i don't and it's uh i just focus on my breath i just focus on my breath and the sensations in my body and by doing that the voice in my head tends to get a lot quieter and there's less focus on it because my focus is really on the sensations within my body and my breath and 10 minutes is quite achievable if 10 minutes is quite Mm. is too long maybe start with three and then build it up to five and then go for 10 and see where you go from there but as long as it's adding value to your day if it's stress and tension don't bother with it like go for a walk instead yeah, no, that, that's very, very good advice. Shelley has asked, working from home, I'm going from bed to desk. What can I do to make my commute more eventful? Wow. <laughs> Walk, do a few laps around the block. I think definitely yeah. that sounds that sounds like prison. It does, I'd say, doesn't it? 
It really does. Like I'd say, you've got you've got to get out of the house and start do a one k loop on your mm. make your commute that it's a one k loop around your block. Like there's somewhere you can walk for a, a round where you live and come back and just that's your discipline. That's what you do every day before you go to work, or that's what you do at lunchtime. And you've got maybe you go meet a friend and you do that. But some habit which is just getting out of the house and it's being disciplined with it because, as you said, it can be easy. Just well, easy but not much joyous to just get out of bed and sit at your desk for the day. Yeah, even a, even a possible here's a suggestion me kind of going off on one uh, possible meditation to uh, bring these two answers in together is to try to walk to nearby park uh, and, and a sense just to spend 10 minutes walking around the park and imagining mm. like this was the last day you were going to live and just like literally oh. seeing it with fresh eyes and that sense of appreciation that this moment is going to pass and that sense of just like wow look at that grass look at the dew on the grass really appreciating everything in that sense of freshness, that sense of new eyes. Yeah, no, I love that. Definitely, you need to get out of the house. I know exactly what it's like being stuck in the house at the moment, working from home, new baby, all of that. If you don't get out, you feel downright miserable. So yeah. it is important to make sure you get outside. Um, Eliza has said, I feel I need to kickstart my life again. This is a bit broad. What's your best trick? I mean, I don't really have any more than that. <laughs> I, I, I'd say exactly start with movement because first and foremost we're animals and movement just biologically you'll get more bang for your buck than that than anything second thing is your sleep those things are the foundations and after that it's eating vegetables like it really is it's eating vegetables whole grains lentils nuts and seeds and if you prioritize eating most of your diet out of them if you can get good sleep and if you're moving lots you're going to feel so much better your life will just compound like when you're spending time outside you might make more friends you might meet more people mm. you might you know your life will transform little by little oh, i absolutely love that okay we're going to move on guys to the fact or fiction round so what i think i'm going to do is you're just going to both have to shout out the answer fact or fiction because you're not together as we're recording this. I know you're both in separate rooms. This is going to be fun. Are you ready? Yes. Fact. Okay. Facts. <laughs> okay, hold off. Wait. <laughs> right, here we go. There's no perfect morning routine. Fact. Great. You'll be more productive if you exercise in the morning. Fact. Light helps with telling your brain the day has begun. Fact. <laughs> Start your morning the evening before. Good one. Fact. Yeah, yeah it's a nice yeah. one. That's yeah. nice. If it works for you. If it works, if it works like none of the, I think these are all just do your best. Like life yeah. is imperfect in its perfection. Love that. Oh, Don't, Dave. <laughs> so many wonderful phrases coming out. Don't spend too much time on low level decisions. Love it. Do fact. fact yeah, just like your, this one. Do your best. Yeah. <laughs> Begin your day with the biggest challenge. Oh, only if yeah. you feel like it. Some days you might just feel like crying. You don't do, don't do the biggest challenge then, like because yeah, after a good a bit... cry, it might feel better. Like and some days you might feel just a little bit lower in energy. And I think it's about building momentum. And often it might start with a few easy wins, and suddenly you got a bit of momentum to take the faster, the bigger one. So it depends. You know, I think I'm going to go with fiction there. Fiction, okay. fiction, fiction. Right, we've got fiction. Reading is linked with success factors. Maybe. Depends. I'm depends, going what with depends what you're reading. Depends what you're reading. And it depends on if you're illiterate or not. Like, I don't know. I yeah. think there's so many, I think, possibly. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. We'll call that a faction one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> work smarter, not longer. Yeah, fact. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Spending time with family and friends can help with energy levels. 
Of course. I think that's the one piece that we focused on most today. And it's about connections and the essential need for humans in your life. They will make you better. And as I said at the start of this, if you want to go fast, go by yourself. If you want to go far, go together. And I really, Mm. really, that's, that's a philosophy that we live our life by. Yeah, and that sense of together we're better and that sense of that we become the product of our environment. And I think the more you can create an environment that supports you to make the healthier choice or the choice you want to make, the healthier you're going to be. Because if you look at these blue zones, the bit they, they don't kind of make make it out of kind of free will that they kind of sense, I'm going to eat healthy and I live healthy. It's just that their environment forces them to do it. And I know from our own experience, when we started The Happy Pair, the main reason we started was we wanted to create an environment that supported us to live this new lifestyle that we'd found. So we we grew up eating kind of a meat and two veg diet and we were very kind of into playing rugby and we were total meatheads. And we, we went away traveling and kind of ended up finding that we were much more interested in eating vegetables and being healthy. And we kind of wanted to come back and live a life that kind of encouraged others and supported us to do this. We started our business to ultimately to help create an environment that made it easier for us to eat healthy. That's so we started a vegetable shop on a cafe. Yeah. There you go, exactly. Yeah. It's going to be hard to get your um, food for thought at the end because you've given us so many on this, actually. So the, la- <laughs> the, last, the last question, guys. Multitasking is the quickest way of getting things done. No Ooh. way. Absolute fiction. <laughs> Love it. Great. That was the end of the fact or fiction round. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Love it. Good Did we win? Do we win? Definitely, Dave. Definitely. <laughs> There's no losers. There's only winners, aren't there? Yeah, um, of course. <laughs> that does, unfortunately, I'm gutted, nearly wrap up this episode. And we do always finish with a food for thought. So I'm going to quickly reel off something to give you guys time to better what you've already said <laughs> in this episode today. So I think mine would be um, the fact that we are all unique. And I love the conversation we've had today about connection with people it's actually reminded me that that's the missing piece of the puzzle you quite rightly said and I know you guys talk about this a lot and you've got your new book and I really 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 think if you can get all the pieces of the pie then you're just on your way like you get the diet sorted um just aim for more whole foods like we said get more plant varieties in movement I love what you guys have said about movement today and sleep and you you should be on your way. And you know what? I'm not going to take up any more time on that because I think we need to hear from both of you. A final take-home message, a good food for thought from Dave and Steve today. Who wants to go first? Dave, Steve? Steve. Okay, cool. I'll I'll go with first. Uh, I think the number one most important thing for anyone listening to benefit your life is that sense of friendship and connection because nowadays even in the UK in 2018 there was a minister appointed in the government minister for loneliness because it's become such an epidemic and I think it's something that we we tend to be very we've loads of friends on social media but in recent studies in the US they found out when people were going through a sense of emergency and they had to call someone to help them in the middle of the night it's gone from the 1950s to be five to six people to in recent times to the average number being zero. So I think it's something that to prioritize this sense of knowing our neighbors, supporting each other, building this sense of social resilience in the flesh, not online. So I think it's that, that sense of building this tribe around you. And when I say tribe, I know it's a total cliched word, but a sense of people that have similar values to you they they tend to live a life that you want to if you want to exercise people join a running club if you want to start eating healthy get mates that are into eating healthy try to get people around you that will support you because it's just going to benefit you benefit them and just help create the world that you want to live in boom wow sorry excuse me shouting okay i love Uh, that and i i I was going to say two things uh the first thing is i was going to say like just 
as as I said earlier, and I'm kind of repeating myself is, here is like people can see health as kind of pious and righteous, and it's you know it's trying to be better than someone else. But health is so many different roads roads to it, and ultimately it's about having a laugh, not taking things too serious, you know, and and really just enjoying yourself as much as you can. Which sounds like such a simple answer, but like that that would be our philosophy in a nutshell. And then the final thing I wanted to say is we do have a new book out. It's called mm. Happy Health Plan. Um, it comes out December the 10th um, and it's kind of the culmination of everything we talked about. It's like 10 years experience of having 50,000 people through our courses and all the learnings through that. Um, and it's got over 90 delicious recipes oh, and it's got lovely. loads of kind of all our learnings from having doctors and dietitians and everything, you know. Amazing. Well, I can't wait to get my hands on that. And you guys are also really good on social media. What's, what are your handles so everyone can go and check you out? Uh, the Happy Pair. You'll find us on pretty pair. much everything. We tend to yeah, be quite yeah. noisy on it. Yeah, it's the internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, and honestly, for everybody listening, these two are some of the most inspirational people I've met in terms of really inspiring you to get going and try something new. So please do check them out. And Dave and Steve, a big thank you for your precious time today and for coming on Food for Thought. If you enjoyed this episode, you'll absolutely love what's coming next week. So make sure that you click subscribe to be the first to hear it. If you have time to, we'd really appreciate it if you want to leave a review so that we can reach those higher highs in the charts and hopefully help more people. That is our mission here with this podcast. For more information about my Retrition Clinic, the books, healthy recipes, and so much more, please visit retrition.com and follow me at Retrition on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube.